listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates. Sarah's away today. We're going to take a look at a wonderful article in the September issue of The Lutheran Witness. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, Heather Smith. She's wife of the Reverend Sean Smith. You might recognize him from Concord Matters. She is a mother, an educator, and a writer. Wrote a wonderful article, The Very Stones Cry Out, in the September issue of The Lutheran Witness. If you've got a copy in front of you, you've got a paper copy. I think it's on page 27. Heather, thanks so much for joining us on the Coffee Hour today. Thank you for having me. Always a privilege to get to talk with you. And usually we get to talk about something you've written because you do such a wonderful job of weaving together usually something pertaining to history. And this one, you've done a a fantastic job of connecting us to something historical that things that, well, in a sense, have that really withstand the test of time. And we're going to talk about uh, your close proximity to the the cemetery, the living there on site at the parsonage and and what life is like. So share with us, your husband serves a dual parish there in Southern Illinois, and you get to live in a parsonage, which I think, is it over a hundred years old? Is that right? Yes, it was uh, it was built originally in uh, 1918, so it's 103 <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, what is parsonage life like in Southern Illinois? Oh well. One of the things I, I do love is that fact that we have over a hundred years of of history just mm-hmm. in our in the walls of our house. It's someplace, I suppose, that stereotypical, it's quiet country life. We got beautiful cornfields or soy fields or whatever they happen to be this year all around us and got the, the parish hall in the one of the churches and the, the church graveyard right nearby. The house is big, got a whole bunch of bedrooms. You can imagine all the, and I often do imagine all the pastor's families who have lived there before and the children that have filled that house and the the things they have gone on. In fact, if recently we, we had uh, the privilege of having some children of a, of a previous pastor come back and visit, and we got to show them the parsonage. And they were telling us stories about, oh, yeah, I, I remembered mom always sat at this end of the dinner table because the floor kind of slopes slightly, and so she'd catch anything that was started rolling down the table and uh, those sorts <laughs> of things. It's wonderful that we can be near the church so that you can literally walk to church and also have have beautiful area of nature around as well. And and then, as I said, also that combination of of the history that's there that I do think about a lot. what, What have the people who've come before us left here in the physical surroundings that we have and that we get to live with every day? Mm-hmm. And you have, you mentioned crops, so whether it's corn or soybeans, and and I think you all have some fruit trees on the on the property as well, right? Yeah, there used to be more. There There is one pear tree that probably, I'm not any expert on plants, it probably should have been pruned back many years ago. It's, it's enormously tall and you, <laughs> trying to harvest the pears could be a bit of a difficult venture, but we do sometimes go and collect what pairs we can get and do with them what we can. They they also show a bit of age sometimes. But yeah, and and there are actually other trees too. It's interesting to see that aspect that 
there are some beautiful old trees. And I think of how they were planted and must have grown over the years. And then some that have had been cut down since we've been here, but then some other new saplings have been planted. And so you see even in those aspects of the natural world that the way that the church works, how we have things growing old, dying, but also new ones coming to to be part of the whole landscape of where we are. Yeah, you have right there in this little community of the the parsonage and the, the church building and, and all that, you have also these signs of life and signs of death. You're, you're talking about all the mm-hmm. plants and things that are growing, but also uh, a cemetery and, and tombstones there as well. What have you learned from residing in such close proximity to a church cemetery? Oh, more than I can, can even summarize. <laughs> uh, it, it's Right, right next to the, between the, the parsonage and the cemetery is is parking lot. You know, which you wouldn't is not perhaps seems like a place for reflection. But often I have small children, and and we'll often I'll take them out one of them in the stroller and and just walk laps around the parking lot to get us a little exercise. And mm-hmm. while I'm there, I'm I'm seeing the graveyard, and and then we sometimes will even take walks in the graveyard as well. It's a wonderful place for reflection oh, on so many levels. As you said, I do love history. And so some of it is just looking and thinking of the people, some of the tombstones in the front, you can see the people that they were born in Germany and came here and settled and and now are buried here to wait the resurrection. You see graves of people that that we have known in our time here and, and think of them as well. But I, uh, something else that I've really incorporated as part of, of my life these days with, with young children, uh, not a lot of time for study and reading always, but I have found it's a good time for, for working on solidifying my memorization of the catechism and some other things. And boy, when you combine, you're walking around and reciting the catechism and looking at those tombstones, it just brings to life certain things. You're confessing in the third article of the Creed about, I believe, in the resurrection of the body. And at the last day, he will raise me and all the dead. And I see it right there. And I can just imagine, what will this be like when Christ returns? And he raises all these dead to be with him. And it's an amazing reflection on that. Or you see there, there are the tombs of young children. And you think about that those children were buried there in the sure hope of their baptism, that they have been made one with Christ, that he has given them eternal life through baptism. And so they too are with him. Those sorts of things just come alive for me. Even just thinking about how we are one one communion, one body in Christ. It's really struck me recently that the introduction to the Lord's Prayer, Our Father Who Art in Heaven, in, in Luther's hymn on that, he he makes the point that this is inviting us to pray as one family, to be in unity with our Christian brothers and sisters. And that's important, very much important in the life of the church, but it's also important for us to remember that th- those who are lying there in the cemetery, well, they are one with us as well. And and when we pray our father, that's their father, our father, the father of all the people in the pew with me, we are the one family of Christ. Those sorts of things 
it's just endlessly wonderful to think on as you walk around and, and look and see this confession that people, they, they were buried there believing my body is going to be raised on the last day and I'm going to be, I want to be right near the church. It's where I was brought to faith and baptism. It's where I was confirmed and made a confession before the world. And I want to be there when Christ comes again. It's beautiful what, to me. What do those grave markers, those tombstones teach us? What have you learned mm-hmm. from them in your time there? Yeah. So it is interesting to me. And I don't, I wish I read more German because I'm sure I could learn some more things, but you can make out some of the things. So when I have looked at some of the, the German tombstones, you know, one of the things that struck me was there, there's a phrase on there, and my German pronunciation may not be correct, but Christus ist mein Leben, sterben ist mein Geben. It, it translates roughly, Christ is my life, death or is my gain. And it's a reference to the verse from Philippians. There's also a hymn in our hymnal um, that is based on that phrase that was a German hymn, much beloved. And in fact, there's a Bach chorale on it and so forth. And that is, it, it's all, I would say by far, that's the most common phrase that you find on the tombstones in our little graveyard. And it struck me, what a fantastic confession that is. As St. Paul ex- expands on that idea in his epistle, I win either way. <laughs> it's a win-win situation. If I'm living, Christ is my life. And when I die, well, that's even better. I am with Christ. That's been a beautiful insight. It's interesting to me to see, too, some of the tombstones have a lot of writing on them. And again, some of it's in German, and I can't get all the, the nuances of it. But you know, some describe where people were born and when they were married and how some even have a baptism date or other things like that on there. It's interesting to see the ones that, that start to stand out that have something that isn't as common on others and, and what people were choosing to confess with that. I think there's some that strike me as being very intentional in, in wanting to confess something about the importance of baptism or about the importance of family, of marriage. I have found it an interesting insight that way back, many of the German tombstones, they have, will have in big letters, Mutter or Vater, mother or father, that that is something where those who are burying those people, they know that's not, that's not a heavenly vocation, but but on earth, that was an, their vocation as mother or father. And that is something that, we can continue to fulfill the fourth commandment by honoring them as mother and father, even in death. And that that tradition is also evident on many of the, the more modern English tombstones. I found it interesting that as you get to roughly the middle of the 20th century or so, you start to see tombstones that will include the marriage date for a couple uh, if they have a, a joint tombstone. Many of the older tombstones, people were just buried. You're the next in line. You don't necessarily get buried next to your spouse even. So you might honor the estate of marriage in that way. Many of the middle, later 20th century ones also will include the names of all the couple's children, which is, I think, also an effort to fulfill the fourth commandment and show that honor 
to mothers and fathers. You know, I, to me, maybe being the, the history buff that I am, I kind of like the idea of just saying mother or father. That's who you were because all your children, well, they will have their own tombstones someday too. And we, we will we all get our own resurrection at the end. Boy, yeah, just seeing the all the things that have happened through history, different types of art on the tombstones is interesting too. There, a lot of the older ones have interesting symbology of you know clasping hands, like as though they're greeting someone in heaven, maybe, or that they're holding on to the hand of Christ in death, or a crown to symbolize the crown of life. More modern ones tend to have uh, some symbol, a cross, perhaps that shows their faith, maybe something that that reminds people of. Uh, something that the person loved in life, the certain type of flowers gra- engraved on there, or music notes, or one of the, one of the modern ones here has a tractor on it. <laughs> Man who was a farmer, and that was an important part of his vocation. Interesting to me to see all those things, and I I think I will continue to learn as I continue to explore and and just meditate on the things there as well. Today we're talking with Heather Smith. She's wife of the Reverend Sean Smith, a mother, educator, writer, and has written a wonderful article in the Lutheran Witness September issue, The Very Stones Cry Out. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. You're a miracle. You know that, right? A living breathing, one-of-a-kind miracle. You were created to stand apart, to share your gifts in the service of others, to make an uncommon impact in a common world. And at Concordia University, it's our mission to help you do that, to live uncommon. To learn more about Concordia, go to cuw.edu. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. Sarah's away today, and we are in the Lutheran Witness September issue talking with Heather Smith. She's the author of The Very Stones Cry Out. If if you have a copy handy, it's around page 27 in the September issue of The Lutheran Witness, taking a look at this treasure that we have in the, the church graveyard or cemetery, and so many things that we can learn from that as well. Heather, you've shared uh, so much that you've learned just about history and how the just from the markings on the tombstones or the, the grave markers, how has life in the parsonage with that graveyard so close to you afforded you teachable moments with your children? You mentioned having young children earlier. Yeah. Do you find that there are opportunities to, to teach something with your children so close to the the church graveyard? Certainly. And my children are quite young yet. I feel certain mm-hmm. that we will have more opportunities as they get older. But you know, living so close, we are able, by and large, to attend any funerals that happen at the, the church here. And so there's... It, you know, the day before, we also get the the fun, if you're a, a two-and-a-half-year-old boy, of seeing the digger come to to excavate the, the grave plot. And so I, I tend to make sure we can get outside to, to watch the big equipment uh, coming to, to work on preparing the grave. But then when we're able to attend the funeral or perhaps just, just the graveside service, depending on how much our attention span can handle, you can just begin with simple words. I, I just... Tell my son, who's just two and a half, oh, this is 
See, you heard daddy say these words and we prayed and now we're leaving the body of our friend here. And when Jesus comes again, it will be raised and we will all be together with him. Does he understand all of that? Not yet. But if I can just start saying these things now, it's a reminder to me of the truth and it teaches him as well. I, I, as he gets older, I know that there'll be more opportunities for those kind of conversations. And even I, I think about one of the interesting traditions that the congregation here has is on the Saturday, Holy Saturday before Easter, uh, the chil- Sunday school children get together for some preparations for Easter and then they have an Easter egg hunt in the graveyard. And you see these little children running all around the tombstones and collecting colored eggs. And it's a little disconcerting the first time you see it. But my husband loves to talk about this, how this is exactly what the Christian faith is about. Our little children, they can run around death and not be afraid because this is not the end for us. And so that's something too, where there's a, a teaching moment where you can actually say that look, this is not scary. This is where our faith carries us through to eternal life. Which brings me to uh, another question, and and I think you've already started to answer it. Death seems like such a sad topic, Mm -hmm. yet we have this whole issue, the September issue, devoted to this topic of death. And why did you accept the invitation to write about death, and in this case, the, the, the church graveyard? Why write about death? Well, I suppose that it really is my time spent near the graveyard that has given me insight into this. I actually, I didn't actually accept an invitation. I, I'd been thinking about this topic for a while and I asked uh, Reverend Askins, I said, do you need another article? Because I've got one in mind. <laughs> and I will say that it is, in my growing understanding of the faith, I think that Christianity is at its best when we don't turn away from death or we don't just wait for it to happen, but we look at it every day. And I feel like that's the privilege I have living next to the cemetery. I get to look at it and remember every day that Christianity is is not just there for me when I need it. It is, it is leading me through this valley of sorrow into eternal life in heaven with Christ. And really, why do I even need my faith? I know a lot of people of very little faith or no faith at all that they can find ways to make their lives pretty pretty bearable, maybe even quite happy. But when we, what happens when we have to face death? Well, here is the answer. It's in Christ. That is comfort. That is what Christianity is all about. It's being ready so that when death comes, it's just the same as going to bed. And one of the hymns I like to sing to my children at night, it's, teach me to live that I may dread the grave as little as my bed. That's what Christianity is about. We we aren't afraid. And so how do we make sure that's seeping into our souls? We talk about it. We write about it. We read about it. We sing about it. Our hymns. Oh, if you look at our Lutheran hymns, the best ones, they just talk about death straight on. <laughs> and it's wonderful comfort, which is so surprising, right? But that's the paradox of Christianity, that the things that terrify the world become our comfort because Christ has already been through death. 
And so it's sanctified through him. We don't have to fear it. It will be but a passing moment. Quite different than the popular trend of living our best life now. One of the highlighted quotes in your article, Christianity is not about living our best life now, but about dying a blessed death whenever it comes, for it certainly is coming. We know that everyone, every human will die. It's not necessarily about, it's not about living our best life now, but how Christ prepares us for that blessed death and for the resurrection as well, that we have hope in that resurrection because of his resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. What a, a very helpful article any since you have the the privilege of living in so such close proximity to the church graveyard with just about a minute or two left for us maybe some pointers or tips for us next time that we might visit a graveyard what should we look for what do you look for what mm-hmm. might you encourage us to do on our next visit to a graveyard well i think one thing i would say is it is a place that If you go to it thinking of how it is a place for rest and reflection, then you are likely to see things that you might not otherwise. Often I know people are going to a graveyard specifically to see a loved one's grave, and that that is a, a great way to honor and to remember those saints from our lives. But if if you can take time to stroll around and look at places, and especially I think look at those older sections and think about the people who were there and what they believed and how that's reflected on their tombstones, I think it just lends all sorts of insight. And when you find something then that's surprising, you know, maybe I've even just once in a while, you know, jotted down a note or or taken a little picture on my phone just to remind me of something. It's like, that's curious. What's that about? And it gives me time to think about it some more. And I think it's not a bad idea to walk through and think, what would my tombstone say? What should I, what do I want to leave behind? Because these things, they are, they're carved on stone so that they can confess our our sure hope of the resurrection to all those who are coming after us. And it's a wonderful privilege. It's wonderful that we have that opportunity. The Very Stones Cry Out. Check it out in the September issue of The Lutheran Witness from Heather Smith. She's wife of the Reverend Sean Smith, mom and educator, writer. Heather, thanks so much for being my guest on the Coffee Hour today and and sharing this wonderful article with us. I am so pleased that you had me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. <laughs>